am excited to be here again today. Um, and today is a very special day because I get to start a new chapter in the life of this beautiful podcast. Um, thank you for everyone who's been really supportive, supportive and um, contributing in many ways with time, with their money, with their, you know, help here and there to make this podcast successful. Um, this year, I want to focus on topics that are affecting a lot of people, um, topics that in the part of the world where I grew up, which is Haganah, is very difficult to talk about. And with this conversation, I have named the first episode, For the Lack of Knowledge My People Suffer. And in whatever way that you understand this, um, Hosea chapter four obviously gives you more insight of it. But I find it really um, interesting that um, there is such a verse in the Bible and um, trying to figure out how this means when we talk about mental health. So welcome to Mental Health and the Messiah on We Feel Genesis podcast. It's every Thursday we get a guest, we dissect this topic. Um, we're going to have this going on for a very long time. Um, and, you know, for lack of knowledge, my people suffer as individuals, as family, as community, and as a nation. Um, what is the meaning of mental health awareness in Ghana? And I say awareness because as the weeks go by, I will be inviting, you know, certified uh, mental health specialists to come on here to tell us the true important true importance and the facts that are surrounding this topic but to warm things up <laughs> I'll just like to say that after the pandemic I've noticed a rise in um, mental health awareness it has become very relevant in many conversations especially following the COVID pandemic, of, of course. Um, we find that a lot of people are recovering. Some people are not recovering. People have lost businesses. Some have, you know, gained better insights of what to do with your lives. So my point now is in Ghana, though, the stigma associated with the topic still exists. And for the first season of this show, um, this is going to be a peer-to-peer conversation to warm things up. And I'm actually looking for the perspective of Ghanaians living in the diaspora. So Ghanaians living in the UK or in the US, in Australia, Canada, um, wherever that is outside of Ghana, outside of Africa, where things are more like open-minded approach. Um, that's the sort of conversation that I'm looking for. Um, and then we will have guests from, of course, the continent, which is Africa, which is Ghana, so that they can tell us what they think. So my first guest here is a special one. We've had occasional convos surrounding beliefs and science. Um, we experienced the same educational system and have had a taste of living outside Ghana. Um, my guest, who is Kabna, actually comes from a STEM family. Um, he is or was, in. he can let us know he's an engineer. Um, he's a pilot. He's Ghanaian. He's very versed in the American way of life. He's also very versed in the Bible. He lived in parts of the U.S. where, like, normal Ghanaians, and I say normal in quotes because he hasn't, he's not like a DMV person, but, <laughs> um, 
this is where Ganyans will sel- seldom venture. And I wonder why. Like, I just want to know. He's an instrumentalist and loves skating. So, Nanake, welcome to Mental Health and the Messiah. How are you feeling right now? Thank you. I'm feeling good. It's a good day. Um, thank you for having me in your podcast. <laughs> I'm excited to speak about whatever you have questions for, I guess. What do I have questions for? <laughs> Sorry, talking about mental health. You know, we've had conversations about this uh, every now and then the last couple of years. So good to have conversations about mental health, especially, like you said, in this uh, current situation, with the pandemic and all that. That's true. And, um, you know, this is an open and honest conversation. Of course, we aren't experts. If you are experiencing any type of mental health issues or you need immediate help, definitely contact emergency services which i confess i don't know (laughs) so i will find out in the upcoming weeks where you can find this in ghana but yeah you need to talk to someone so let's jump right in um as i mentioned in the beginning mental health has become a popular conversation in our generation on social media and everywhere you go especially outside of Ghana. So what do you think mental health is to you? I mean, I think mental health has to do with, uh, it really has to be with your state of mind. And what people fail to realize is that your mental health actually can have effects on your physical health. And um, it's, it's not very common to think of it in that way because, for example, people... People know not to go to work when they're physically sick. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be challenging to say, "I'm not going to go to work because I'm, I have, you know, I'm not having, I'm not feeling good, I'm having some mental health issues." It's not as common, you know. But it is physic- It is part of your overall well-being. So that's kind of how I see mental health. Hmm. Okay. You mentioned something that's really interesting. That with mental health you can't you don't know how to describe it like when you wake up you don't feel like going to work so how can we differentiate between just like pure laziness or if it's a mental health related problem i mean not feeling like going to work might be a symptom of a bigger issue uh, but i mean mental health is more complicated than oh i don't want to do this oh i don't you know I don't, I'm not happy or I'm sad. Like there's more, those are usually symptoms. There could be symptoms of something deeper, but mental health, I mean, varies. I mean, it's a whole spectrum. You could have uh, things that affect the way your, your outlook towards life uh, in general, which could play itself in being sad or feeling unmotivated to do anything. Uh, you could have issues where you don't even want to get out of bed. I mean, depression, where you don't want to do anything, things that you love to do. So it's it's more complicated than being lazy. Uh, sometimes, like I said, you not wanting to do something, which might translate as you being lazy. However, that that could have underlying issues of you know things that are bo- bothering you uh, from a mental health perspective, say another world. So it's more complicated than oh I, I'm just sad, or I'm just unhappy. Uh, Got it. Interesting. So let's go a little bit. Let's like rewind back to you growing up. Um, I know that you were involved in so many things. Um, Like you had a busy childhood. Um, How would you say that 
has helped or that hasn't helped your mental health um, over the years? Yeah, growing up, I was it was it was uh, it was a blessing, but it was also really challenging. You know, like you said, I I loved the music. I was competing a lot, debate. Um, I, I just was in a very competitive environment. I was I was always, you know, pushed to be better than I currently am, or pushed to be the best. And while that's that's good in general, but that could also have undue you know consequences. For example, like in I I, I could, it was difficult for me to accept failure that was the first that was the very first encounter with dealing with like pain and mental health and stuff like that you know like i i, I did not know how to accept failure because it was one it was embarrassing i felt like i disappointed everyone else around me and i could do better people expected better from me so it's growing up in child i was i used to tell people i was emotionally attached to things like my grades you know and it wasn't until i was in college that i had to realize this that was a very unhealthy relationship i mean I should not be dest- absolutely destroyed because I did bad on the test. Like that didn't make any sense, you know. So um, that's that's uh, that was my first. Um, that was my kind of my first encounter with dealing with um, how external things affect my mental health. But obviously, I did not think of it in that from that perspective. You know, I just I just uh, would realize that these things were controlling my 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 state of mind more than I wanted it to mm. and it got it, sometimes it had the negative effect of not wanting to do certain things because I was not going to do something if I was going to suck at it you know and <laughs> yeah so I had to had to learn and you had to relearn like that part of my life and say well I mean you can you're not always going to be it, it's not always the competition you don't always have to be the number one on the top you don't always have to be exceptional or something that you do. You some things you could just do for fun, you know. Um, and so that that was a bit that was a big change that I had to make growing up. So regarding that answer, I get a sense of um, the constant need to perform based on others' expectations. Um, going to school, obviously we went to school together um be coming from a family that you know you have a lot of um you know you have a lot of people that you're looking up to your siblings and stuff like that and you can let us know but do you think that this expectation thing was as a result of our way of or a system of education which focuses on you know someone becoming first or being competitive or well not necessarily like doing well doing well as in learning and gaining knowledge to apply to their lives but you know this is a set of boxes that you have to check how, how do you think how, what do you think about that do you think yeah, this I... expectations come from family or school or a combination of both or just the system both, of how Ghana uh... is I think both, and I, I could I could go off for hours about the educational system and what I think about it in Ghana, but uh, there's a lot of shaming involved um, in the educational system, um, and there's also not a lot of accommodation for people who have different learning styles. So you put these two things together, and you have people who cannot succeed necessarily in the system, and then they're ashamed, you know, mm-hmm. and for for not being able to succeed in the system. And so, yes, like you said, if you do not do well or you do not do as expected and you're, you're shamed, like, I mean, that's going to affect your image, like 100%. That's going to affect your outlook and who you, who you think you are. Like, it's going to affect your, your self-confidence 100%. Um, 
And so that's something that's, you know, yeah, it comes from some family has, there's some pressure like that from families, but the school system itself, at least at the time we went in school, everywhere in school, definitely promoted, you know, I mean, people were, you were cane in front of the class for not doing well in school. <laughs> Instead of saying, hey, wh why, are you, why, why are you struggling with this subject? You know, you mm -hmm. made fun of because you did not, you had to be held back in class or whatever because you didn't do really well that year. So that definitely affected people's outlook in life. And it also shaped what people thought they could become. I mean, you were already conditioned in that, at that early age, for example, to say you cannot be a doctor or you cannot do anything in science because you got this and this and this grade in this class. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the people who were conditioned to go into science, I mean, I was conditioned to go into science and engineering. I mean, fortunately, it just happened that I enjoyed Thanks that. For but... Things from your family. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I was conditioned to go on that. But thankfully, I enjoyed that. So it worked out well. Um, and I was fortunate, even though my mom was a doctor, she didn't really pressure me to go into medical school. But there are things like that, too. And that really affects people, you know, it affects your image. Because because if that's not your strong suit and you're being forced to do it because of the expectations, I mean, you're not, you're not going to succeed, one. And it's going to affect your self-image because you're unable to succeed in that environment. I mean, that's, that's an, that's a given, you know, and that's one thing that's really hard on most people. Lovely. I love this. Um, it reminds me of a lot of things that I actually faced, um, while in school as like a young person, um, and fact check. Um, I read somewhere that, you know, the first stages in life between like early development until seven years old is really important because, children at that age don't really know anything well they don't know anything so they just absorb what is presented to them in whatever environment so i do exactly. agree that like in long term we don't understand how some of these things and of course we like to go to the bible as Ghanaians to say spare the rod what's the quote sorry spare, spare the rod and spoil the child spare the rod and spoil the child but i don't know if that's really what god meant like in terms of like abuse the child <laughs> um but that's what it seems like to me because it's like when children don't conform to what the parents or what society um thinks that is the way they get punished for it and I think yeah. that that's not a good thing. So let's move on. I'm really excited about this so far. Um, let's talk about church because I know that you were very, very, very like you were Jesus's b baby. I don't know if I'll go as far as to say that, but <laughs> yeah, so I was involved in church a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so and you're very knowledgeable in the word, actually. Um, so I don't know how many pilots like are very well versed in the Bible knowledge Christianity, but I think personally, as my friend, I think you're very knowledgeable, and I appreciate that. That's one of the reasons why I brought you on here. Um, tell me a little bit about what you think mental health could mean in church. I mean, in church, there was there are very few things that are, you know, attributed to anything besides God or the devil, you know, so it's not very, at least when I was growing up in the church, it wasn't very spoken about. I mean, if you had issues, people who were struggling, you just pray about it and, and that you should be good. Or if something was wrong with someone, it was the devil, you know, in most churches. And that again is problematic because there's lots of people who will be, who probably are struggling with things that could be addressed through you know, mental health resources, but they're just 
brushed under the rug and say, go pray about it. That's one of my biggest, uh, what do you call it? That's my biggest concerns about the church is ignoring things that could be addressed by simply saying, go pray about it. Of course, you should. You can pray as much as you want, but if you have the resources that you could uh, have access to, you should definitely do that. And so in the church, I never really felt that there was a, an open conversation about mental health at all. Even regular, even just physical health, this is the same thing. Like you got to pray about everything. You know, hmm. at least most people in my the church I grew up in um, would would know to go go to the hospital or go to a doctor. But there's a danger in over emphasizing the spiritual mm. aspect of things and not recognizing that hey, there's things that you could just do to help yourself out. You know, right? I agree with you, and also disagree to some extent, but not so much <laughs> because yeah, you you can pray about things and to me personally what prayer means in my life is like you know refocusing my mind to concentrate on like the things that matter so if i for example i saw this verse in the bible where it says if you're going to church to give offering and you have a brother who is obviously you're not talking to or you have like you have issues with don't worry about the offering. Go and make sure that you make amends with the person and then come back and give your offering. I think that that is really, really like strong, great verse. Um, I also think that coupled with prayer, sometimes like we're in so much rush that we tend to see things the way we think we see it. But with prayer, it kind of like changes you and makes you slow down to understand, okay, what is my position in this? Like, what did I do wrong? So I see prayer more as like giving me the chance to think right. Um, but I get what you mean. Like, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it. People are suffering. So do you also think this system of perfection or appearing to be self-righteous. I don't want to use the Pharisees because I'm always using that. But <laughs> um, why do you think there's so much of that, like being so perfect? Like, because then if in school, as we talked about, you said, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, performance. I think that it it's apparent in church as well. So maybe it's more of a cultural and traditional thing that yeah. we've applied to um, Christianity. Like I always say this, like, and I've always, as a kid, I always said this, and I was, I, was, I got in a lot of trouble for questioning things as a kid, because, you know, you're not supposed to do that, question the adults or whatever, but there's a lot of the Christianity that's, this has elements of our culture in, in it. And uh, actually, I believe that a lot of our culture sometimes supersedes what the Christian, you know, the, has so much influence <laughs> in our Christianity. <laughs> That we, we forget, you know, the things in our culture that, you know, go over and above what is expected of being a Christian. And but because that comes from a person, a man of God or what a woman of God, it just, we just take it as, okay, you know, that's a church thing. We have to do that, you know. And uh, I, I think that there's also a lot of shaming in church. And so people want to be perfect. They don't want to uh, appear weak. They don't want to, you know, I mean, granted, it'd be all sinners, but for some reason, no one wants to admit that they sin. Like, you know, it's, it, there's a lot of shaming involved in the church, you know, and I know a lot of people who struggled with that. And, um, you know, shaming is never good. I have a personal story where I felt rejected by the church that I grew up in and spent hours and hours playing for because of something as, in my opinion, as ridiculous as how my hair was cut. Like, I mean, you know, it's, mm. it's, 
and I, I have never felt that much rejection before. That was very painful. It took me uh, several years to get over that. But I mean, you, you treat people like that in a church, a place where they're supposed to feel welcome. I mean, it's not gonna, where else are they supposed to go? If, if From a Christian perspective, if I'm supposed to feel welcome in the church and that's the place where I feel ashamed, that's how's that gonna that's my family like how's that gonna be yeah. good for my my outlook in life you know it's not it's, it's not a good thing at all um and that's but that's a lot of what goes on in the church and a lot of it comes from there's very um restrictive discipline and you know you have to do this a certain way and you have to follow this you know to the letter exactly this way there's not a lot of room for interpretation or question especially mm. from people who are younger, you know. But yes, I, I definitely think that the, the role of the church um, could be better um, in helping people deal with or oh, addressing mental health issues, for sure. Right. I also, just to add to what you said, um, think that there's like some sort of like secretive <laughs> nature like associated with these places like school or church where people like you said don't want others to know what their problems is the problem is if they're struggling like just you just have to look like you're good (laughs) basically um and and that is definitely hurting people so are you excited to be away from this culture then are you excited now that you're pilots and you're going everywhere and you don't really care about Ghana <laughs> <laughs> that's not true I'm probably in Ghana more than most people are like <laughs> per year but um I I won't say I, I don't know I'm not I'm, I'm not excited or not excited I personally I embrace wherever I live I don't home my definition of where home is is wherever I feel comfortable so I don't necessarily I can make a home out of anywhere I anywhere really mm-hmm. and I don't I don't necessarily attach. I, I'm not. I'm not attached to cultural values or whatever. You know, I pick what works for me and what I don't think is good. I don't sweat it. I just drop it. <laughs> you know. And, and how sometimes... are you able to do that? Coming from a constant place of where, like, you always have to perform and stuff, you would be accustomed to doing what people think that that should be. Did you ever have any type of mental health experience? counseling something like how were you able to overcome that this is my life this is what I call home like all the things that you're saying how did that happen yeah so as I mentioned earlier like, as a kid I was kind of unique uh, and I always got in trouble because I was always questioning so this kind of mindset started when I was a kid you know I would question everything and you know, try to make sense. It's like, I'm always trying to understand the logical reason for what was happening. And that didn't sit very well with me getting adults because, uh, you know, this is this little kid trying to ask too many complicated questions. So I've always asked questions. I've always wanted to know because I want to rationalize things for myself. I just don't want to just do things because I've been told to do it. And so as an adult that when I got my more of my independence, I just said, you know what, like, I'm just not going to do this. Like, I, it's going to make someone upset, but okay, that's fine. When you learn to prioritize your health and your mental health over every other thing, that's that's one of the best. I say that's the biggest step you can take to protecting yourself. Is you cannot worry about how some what someone else sees or how someone else thinks about. What if you. the person is paying rent and you live in the person's house? That's your father and your mother. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you can't don't, worry, you're gonna be homeless if you go around talking like this in Ghana. 
you're gonna be out and living on the streets. <laughs> I tell you what, the the hardest person for me to disagree with is my mom. I love my mom to death, and my mom and I, you know, I would I would do anything for my mom. Like the biggest, the the easiest way to get me to do something is to say my mom wants to do it. You know, so that was the biggest challenge. I having to get my mom on my page and having her understand the things mm-hmm. that, hey, mom, I I understand that this is what, she, you know, is expected of the in the culture or whatever. But this is my perspective and it's how I see it. So we have honest conversations because I don't want to. I'm not going to just dismiss my mom, but I'm going to make her understand where my decision comes from. And my mom is very supportive, um, even if she doesn't agree with my you know, my, my choice or whatever, she, she listens to me and understands what my perspective, when she recognizes that I'm an adult and, right. you know, I, I she's not going to force me to do a certain way or be a certain way. I'm very different from my siblings or whatever. Um, in that regard, I, I don't, I don't really try to meet anyone else's expectations, you know? And right. so that's, that's a very important step because you cannot have peace of mind if you constantly try to please everyone. There's no way to please everyone. You're but people have to please for their school fees like <laughs> <laughs> and talking about that how did you manage to switch from engineering to being a pilot because that's major disrespect in <laughs> ghana <laughs> to not listen to your parents how did this happen so, so again it was funny because um first of all i was in trouble i was in trouble with like in general because i didn't do the typical medical route but again thankfully my mom never pressured me but that was like kind of expected of me i went to engineering that was okay and then somewhere along my career in my career i decided i needed to switch and i started flying already and initially i was going to go to school for something medical you know pharmacology or something just to make everyone happy and i, and I sat back and said you know what I, I don't need to do that for anyone i need to do this for myself Right. So I decided to switch and pursue my dreams of flying because as a kid, I'd always talked about how one day I want to fly an airplane. And so I switched. I remember calling my mom, telling her, mom, I, th- I think I'm going to be a pilot and I'm going to quit my job. At the time I was, I didn't, I was having issues with my work. I didn't really like, I wasn't really happy at work and all that. And so she thought, it was, which is the engineering. Exactly. Yeah. I love engineering, which is where I was working. And I didn't really, things were not going the way I expected it to go because I had just joined that company. But um, it's a good thing because it pushed me to pursue my dreams. Anyway, so I, t- I, call, I called my mom to talk to her about it. And she thought I had some sort of like early onset of midlife crisis. So she was <laughs> urging me to take my time and not make any rash decisions. But when I really put my foot down and said, this is what I wanted to do, she was very supportive. And she would always call me and ask me about it. And she, she was involved from day one. Um, so that was, that was a blessing to have some, my mom be supportive because honestly, it would have been very challenging if my mom was not supportive. I had other people in my family who were like, what are you doing? Like, why would you leave <laughs> engineering? Why would you, you've gone to all these years, you go, you go to school, you went to grad school for engineering, you're fine. You live in your life. You don't have to worry about anything like financially or whatever. And you're going to just drop it and go become a pilot. What? It didn't make any sense. But this is part of where my mindset changed, right? So I, I, oh, this was influenced by my mindset change. I, I would have never made such a drastic decision, say, 15 years ago, or like growing up in Ghana, when I was in Ghana, you know, that was just, that's just too risky. Like, I was conditioned <laughs> to one's safety, like, you're safe, you have a job, you have money, you can pay your bills, what else do you want in life, you know? Pursuing passion or what you things you're passionate about was not a thing. We don't do that. Like you got to pay your bills. 
you know, so I wouldn't have done that. But thankfully, I realized that I could, you know, I had that change of mindset where I need to pursue things that make me happy. And I don't want to be going to work every day, hating my job or hating myself. Right. Um, and that's definitely important because um, now that you're living your dream and flying multiple planes, I'm going to come to that. Um you're not going to live with regret. I think that's one of the things that um, the long-term stress of mental health can cause is, you know, or that can lead to mental health issues is when you live in regret. There's like so many adults and stuff that I know who have con con conformed to other people's idea of who they should be or how they should live their lives. And then now we have a lot of adults that are children really because it's like they're fighting with all these things that didn't let them become who they are. Um, and we're exactly. already crossing 30 minutes, but what kind of planes are you flying right now or in the past? I know a lot of people would be very excited to know, first of all, like you're black and proud. Like we're very proud of you <laughs> flying planes. Like, we don't have a lot of Ghanaian pilots, so or Ghanaian pilots that are like excelling, Ghanaian pilots that are engineers, you know, like in our generation, it's a lot of other types of engineering, <laughs> um, like yeah. engineering money. But um, you've taken the good path, and it's really interesting. What what are some of the highlights of your career in flying? Oh, I would say that uh, for me, I had a bucket list of like seeing a bunch of sites in the U.S. And one of the best things was flying over the Grand Canyon several times. It was, I just wanted to do it once. And I thought that was like never going to happen. And then I ended up doing it multiple times. And that was so amazing. Like flying, moving planes across the country, stopping wherever I wanted to, you know, and it just opens a whole bunch of doors. Places that I never dreamed of going, you know, I would just... I, I, it's just it's just amazing. I'm just really thankful for that opportunity because I, I never imagined uh, being in some of the places that I've been, you know, and getting to fly all those cool airplanes and just seeing seeing the world has really been amazing for me. This, this was just cherry on top of like pursuing my dream. I had no mm. expectation uh, of how it was going to be. I just jumped <laughs> right into it and just went day by day. So I'm just eternally grateful for how things turned out. Yeah. Right. That's, that's good. That's good. Good things. Um, I know that as an expire, I know how difficult it can be sometimes when we're talking about mental health and talking about like trauma and things that we go through also on board. It's like a whole life on its own. So how do you mentally prepare yourself for like your job or things you have to learn or people you have to meet, keeping up with family, your future? How, how are you juggling that together? Yeah, it's important. I mean, as a, as a pilot, like your mental health is extremely important. I mean, then it's again, it's funny because like in that industry as well, it's not something that's not spoken about very often. Um, but there are a lot of resources for pilots. I mean, you have to be you have to be in tip top shape physically and mentally because you cannot have any distractions. I mean, the flight deck. I mean, mentally. How can we I tell make sure you're mentally healthy? Since <laughs> in the beginning you mentioned that you can't see mental health. Yeah, I mean, it affects, there, there's so many ways that it affects you, your, your outlook. You can be distracted. I mean, if I know, if 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 I have things in my mind that are weighing me down, if if I have a family crisis, for example, I should be nowhere near an airplane, mm -hmm. you know, because the first thing, a lot of pilots have, I mean, 
oh, I'm going to do it. I can do it. We, we, we have a lot of control. Like we like to be in control all the time. <laughs> and sometimes you don't recognize that you need to step, you need to take a step back. You know, for example, my dad was ill and I didn't, I didn't think it was a big deal. I lost my, one of my, my best friends, um, my closest friend in June, I was in the simulator doing some training and I did not, I did not recognize how much it affected me mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just put it aside. I'm just like, all right, I'll address, I'll address it later. And I just kept going and going and then my, the thing with my dad happened as well. My dad was in the ICU. And again, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to keep going until I, I, I was forced to stop and think about like where I am mentally. I was, it was, it wasn't working out. You know, I was so overloaded because I kept mm-hmm. pushing off dealing with the things I was dealing with mentally. And, you know, I, I, I mean, you're finally... a guy, you're supposed to be hard, right? That's what Ghana yeah, does. That's kind of the expectation too. You no know, crying. Diff- <laughs> yes. It's definitely difficult to, um, um, acknowledge that you're going through that kind of pain. And sometimes, honestly, you don't realize what you're going through when you're in it until you, someone calls you out and says, Hey, what's going on? Take a break. Just take a step back and evaluate where you are right now. And that's kind of what happened. And I had to like really work in my mind. I had to like really, you know, for the first time ever, I was like, okay, I, that's, this is a lot, of, this is a lot, this is heavy. There's a lot going on. You know, um, how, how, understanding how you really feel. I'm not, I'm not really a feeler. I'm a thinker, you know, so understanding how you really feel and how it's affecting, um, your output you you might not recognize it but it really ha- does have an effect in the way you think because i might be on edge like i'm, I'm already overloaded with all the struggles and like something mm. goes wrong and i react in a certain way that's not you know it's, it's not proportionate to what exactly happened <laughs> right. and then you realize okay no because no, obviously there's something else going on why are you why are you trying to you know why are you trying to kill a spider with a big sledgehammer? Like, you know, there's something else going on that <laughs> yeah. you don't recognize. So, yeah, that's that's definitely key. I learned a lot about myself that this past year because of that, when losing my friend and all that. And um, it's it's hard, but it's a, it's a continuous work in progress. You have to kind of evaluate, constantly evaluate where you are mentally. And and another thing is really just being able to admit to yourself that you need help that's one of the biggest challenges for a lot of people mm. too. just admitting that, Hey, I need help. I'm struggling. You know? Yeah. And sometimes you're like so like... going and going and going and going. And you're just like going every day, but you're really going to burst that one moment at one point. Exactly. It's going to so... be a breaking point. <laughs> yeah. So this is important. Um, I've loved the conversation so far. I think that I would bring things to a close here. Obviously, um, you'll be invited here again because we didn't even talk about friendships. We didn't talk about you going to college. We didn't talk about the kind of things that people do to pose to, to look good, but like they're hurting internally. So I'd definitely would love to see you here again and we can continue the conversation, but how can people find you? I know you have a page for flying. Um, how can people follow and live their lives through your life on, on oh. social media? <laughs> I guess my only social media is my my Instagram, right? So at Nana N A N A K A Y eighty nine. That's my okay. Instagram handle. Is that what we call it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's my <laughs> that's my. Instagram. And what what are your final words to, or of advice to anyone, um, anyone at all who is in Ghana, um, or even in the diaspora? Because I know that a lot of people suffer to there as well. Um, 
again, culture always follows us wherever we go. And we didn't even get to talk about places that you've lived that there aren't that many Ghanaians. But what would be your advice to a, say, an everyday Ghanaian going forward with mental health? I'll say it's, it's okay to put yourself first. It's okay to not worry about what other people think. It's okay not to send all your family members money. <laughs> See, that's, that's a whole level of pressure on its own. <laughs> <laughs> the whole level of pressure and stress on its own. But it's oh, it's okay to prioritize yourself. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself first. Mm. You know, there's nothing wrong with that because if you don't, if you're not taken care of, you cannot take over other people. That's a big right. thing. Right, that's very important because Ghanaians carry like a lot of their families' burdens on their heads. And I think it's general yeah. with African people. We always, you know, based on our compassion for our family or whatever, or how we grew up, we tend to do like be Superman for everyone. So like you said, prioritizing ourselves is very important. And um, even now with so much going on in our generation, we didn't have that luxury of like, a lot of free time like every single time we have now is like occupied with either listening to some sort of podcast or some sort of motivational thing doing something like being on instagram being on facebook it's like we don't have time for ourselves so it's important to prioritize yourself like you said and from us from me at we still genesis um you've always asked that i pray for you so I'm going to say a prayer for you. I thank you, Father, for this opportunity, for letting um, Anake come on this podcast. Really appreciate you. Um, God bless you and, like, enlarge your territory and make you go places even beyond the skies or places where you've ever, more than what you've ever thought or imagined. And may his hands be upon you even as you venture the skies um, even through tough decision makings, may you be able to, you know, make the best of decisions as you hold people's lives in the air, taking them to see their families, taking them for special locations, taking people, maybe they might be mourning um, or not in a happy place, but you may you be able to do all this in grace and may the Lord continue to protect you and your family. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. I'll see you soon. We're at 40 minutes. It's been great start of mental health and the Messiah. Um, I'll catch everyone on the next Thursday episode. Peace out. All right, thanks.